The Bible is full of young people who were called by God for a special mission. In the Old Testament, we have Joseph the Dreamer, Gideon, Samuel, and King David, to name a few. In the New Testament, Jesus invites all of us to have a youthful heart, full of compassion, kindness, humility, courage, and most of all, full of love. Jesus tells all of us that being young doesn't mean lesser dignity. Our young people will always have a special place in the heart of our Lord. Let's be reminded that Mary was young when she was called by God for a very important mission. Mary was young when she said yes to be the mother of our Savior. And to this age, Mary continues to reach out to our youth and our youthful people. Because after all, she is our mother. Today, I am with Ms. Nerva de la Cruz, a youth missionary. My name is Ted, and this is the Cause of Our Joy podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cause of Our Joy podcast. You know, I used to be a youth coordinator, and our topic is very close to my heart, the youth ministry. Our guest today has a very good background with the youth, with working with the young people. She used to be a Catholic missionary um, to kids and young people in, in Indonesia and East Timor. She was also part of the Episcopal Mission on Youth of the Catholic Bishops Conference of the Philippines. She's a leader of Singles for Christ and is currently working for a charity organization called UNCOP or Answering the Cry of the Poor as part of marketing and communications. And this is the best part. I don't, I don't know if you've least listened or heard my first uh, episode, pilot episode. Well, if you haven't, I said that the guest of my podcast, of this podcast, should have a devotion to our Blessed Mother. Because... There's no other way that we could talk about our Blessed Mother so lovingly if we don't have a devotion to her. Now, our guest is a member of the Militia Immaculata in the Philippines. She has consecrated her life to Jesus through Mary since 2012, and she reaffirms her consecration almost every year. But what else can I say? She loves the rosary. She loves praying the rosary, and most importantly, she loves our Blessed Mother. So, my dear friends, let's all welcome Miss Nerva de la Cruz. Nerva, welcome to Cause of Our Joy podcast. It's a blessing to have you here. Hi, Ted, and hi to everyone watching. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, no. Thank you so much for, for, for joining us today. And, you know, I'm sure we have a jam-packed um, topic today. So shall we start consecrating this episode of Blessed Mother? Let's go. Okay. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Father, as we offer to you, as we offer this episode to you, we also offer to you all the young people all over the world. Protect them in their everyday struggles and give them supernatural help. Keep them away from the traps of Satan. May our young people all over the world be communicators of faith and hope. May everybody 
lovingly speak your name, dear Jesus. Oh, our dear Blessed Mother, this podcast is for you. Help us bring our young people to your son, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come through the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Conception, your most loved spouse. Saint Bernadette, pray for us. Sister Lucia, Saint Francisco, Saint Jacinta, pray for us. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Nerva, could you yeah. tell us? Uh, could you give us a, some background on what you did with the youth ministry? Where do I begin? <laughs> youth ministry has really been, maybe I would say, like my own story. Um, so I really started in Youth for Christ. No? Um, I was like this um, sixth grader, you know, being forced by my parents to attend a youth camp. And I would really say that, you know, Youth for Christ is really based on like youth evangelizing their fellow youth. So I think that's really the attraction and the beauty of it also. So that really became something that was so, like, became my life. Um, so from one thing, from being, like, in Youth for Christ, you know, I decided to, you know, try to do it, like, after, um, like, try it out for a year. Um, like, no strings attached, just, like, do it for volunteer work and I went to Indonesia you know um, pretended to be just a tourist because it's a Muslim country now I don't know if this will get me in trouble at this time at this late date (laughs) but you know a lot of um, things that I never imagined I would do and East Timor um, you know getting um, caught in like civil unrest there, getting evacuated in a C-130 plane, you know, not knowing if you're gonna die or, like, what's gonna happen to you, um, learning the local languages, all of that, I think, Bahasa Indonesia, and then Tetun, which is, like, kind of, like, broken Portuguese um, in East Timor. So, basically, yeah, it was... I would really say a great time of grace. And also, I know, um, like these were chapters of my life where my own personal conversion happened. So it's not really me doing all these things, but it was really God, you know, um, showing me how much he really loved me. So it was just, I know, um, I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah, uh, it's really just a story of me, my my sacramental life, my prayer life, and um, serving the my fellow youth at that time was just maybe like a natural thing for me to do. Because, you know, if you realize how loved you are, it's like you can just just stay there, right? You have to do something. So sure. that's what I would really say. My what made you love the youth ministry? Sorry? What made you love the youth ministry? Everything. I mean, like um, the idea that um, you can really introduce something so amazing and life-changing to someone else's life is just like so irresistible to me. It was yeah. like some 
I need to do this, you know. I even realized there was a time in college, I almost like didn't graduate <laughs> because I was so attending this event, attending that event. Of course, that got like more ordered as I grew older. But then I realized um, God was really showing me, um, you know, how I changed your life. You know, I... I'm going to do that in other people's lives. And if you can introduce me, you can bring me um, to that person, you know, that's the life, you know. Then maybe I'll, I'll share one really interesting story from Indonesia. Um, so I was this new missionary learning Bahasa phrases and like maybe five phrases tops and i was at my first assembly now this is like a mix of filipino expat kids um Utrechtise members and then like locals indonesians um of course um ch- children mostly of couples for guys but some were not uh some were just Utrechtise members so i would always just you know greet everyone apa kabar um Salamat datang. That's all I know, right? And then I would just do this. And then there was this young teen who would always be there, but um, he's not really a member. So he's a Muslim. He's the boyfriend of one of our Utrecht Christ members there. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, he joined. Yeah. And we were all just so amazed. It's like, wow, it's like, this is so cool. This is like the stuff of like a missionary's dreams. But what's really so humbling and I'm like just mind blown. A few years, just like um, like maybe a few years, not maybe a few years, maybe seven years later, he would come to the Philippines and share at a conference that um, he actually converted because there was this very cheerful missionary who would greet greet him all the time at assemblies. And that convinced him that this is the true faith. And it was the first time I ever heard it. People, I wasn't at that conference, but people were messaging me. And I was like, what? I didn't know that's the backstory. So I was so... To Catholicism. Yeah, yeah. And... If you know, um, in Indonesia, of course, um, and I think anywhere else, that's really a major step for any Muslim to do. You will just basically get this owned by your family. You can just forget about everything. It's like you're starting a new identity and a new life. So then I realized, Lord, you can just really use anything. No, you don't even need, you know, full blown talks. You don't need to. Um, go on full-blown catechesis. Of course, you need that. But sometimes, just greeting people. And um, I think that's really what um, showed me that, you know, you're so so weak, so inconstant, but I can use that. And I can use even the small things that you do. So I think that and a lot of similar stories like that really just show what the youth ministry was to me then. I don't know why I feel like crying, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, I feel like crying. <laughs> why? Why? Okay, let's not do this. <laughs> but it's really, 
God um, just showing me that He loves me so much. It's so, God. It's so God. It. I'll stop and breathe first before I cry. No, <laughs> Thanks you for also had uh, a member of YFC here who was a Protestant and then she converted to Catholicism because of the youth of Christ. Okay. And um, I think you know, sometimes we don't realize that as baptized Christians, we have the power of the Holy Spirit and we have to trust that the Holy Spirit is always moving within us, even in, you know, even if we have shortcomings. So we can always, the, the Holy Spirit will always use the, the, the merits that we, that we, we do, the, the, the good gestures that we give to other people, especially even those uh, little things like greeting people, the Holy Spirit will always make something fruitful come out of something good. Now, you know what, Nerva, in my case, I love the youth ministry because of the energy and the vibrance I experienced with the, with the youth. I come from, not from a, a youth ministry member, but as a, of, I come from the point of view of of somebody who used to be a youth coordinator, okay? What I loved about working with the, our young people is I love their quest for freedom. And I'm sure you would agree that most of our teenagers want that sense of independence. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with this. Um, God, God wants us to be free. Freedom, I think, is a gift, a gift from God. And um, we also need to realize that true freedom, especially freedom from our sins, Freedom from sins and effects of sin could only be achieved through God, with God, and in God. Now, I just want to quote something from the Catholic uh, Catechism of the Catholic Church. Okay, the Catechism says that um, freedom is the power rooted in reason and will to act or not to act, to do this or that, and so to perform deliberate actions on one's own responsibility. By free will, one shapes one's own life. Human freedom is a force for growth and maturity in truth and goodness. It attains its perfection when directed toward God, our beatitude. This uh, quest for freedom and autonomy could could be misguided, especially with the things around us. You know, it's easy enough for us adults to get confused especially when we chase worldly things, when we chase false happiness. And I'm sure that our young people who's in search for autonomy and freedom and, and independence would also would also be easily confused. Now, our common friend Thierry told me that you've been to the World Youth Day. Okay, I haven't. <laughs> but anyway, um, in one of the interviews of the late uh, Father Gabriel Amorth, who was Vatican's chief exorcist, he said that the devil is afraid of Mary and St. John Paul II. And one of the reasons that the devil hates our St. Pope John Paul II is because of the many young people he brought back to God. Okay? Mm-hmm. And how did St. John Paul II do it? He, he's done so many things. Um, and one of these is creating the World Youth Day. Now, I personally believe, Nerva, that um, the devil has set so many traps for our for our young people. I know this because, not only because I used to be a youth coordinator, I know this because I was once young, although I still believe that I'm, I'm still young, okay? Uh-huh. And, you know, um, the darkest period of my life was actually when I was a teenager. And when you mentioned that you almost 
you know, didn't graduate on time um, from college. Well, my experience was I almost didn't didn't graduate on time college because of the diabolical attacks that, that, that happened to my life. Okay. The young people during my time when I was, you know, younger, okay, faced loads of problems like drug addiction, alcoholism, pornography, premarital sex, depression, suicide, etc. etc. Well, I think nowadays these problems still exist and even worse. Everything is more accessible. Porn is only one click away. It's easier to get alcohol and drugs these days. There has been an increase in the number of suicide, especially among our young people. There are so many gender definitions nowadays. And there are so many other things that we could mention, but we just don't have time today. Could you share your thoughts about the diabolical attacks our young people are facing? I can't stress how strong it is now. Um, you mentioned Father Amorta. Um, and as a missionary, I personally had like direct encounters with the diabolical. Like, um, you know, during the youth camp, they really make concrete decisions to give their lives to Jesus. Of course, when I, any person, not just young people, do that, you know who's going to be mad, right? So we literally had experiences of like young people who suddenly had superhuman strength. They suddenly could carry a barrel and then their eyes would become red. And then they would like do somersaults like with their eyes closed. But so many weird things. And that's just talking about the more spectacular types of diabolical, you know, manifestations. But Anything from like, like what you said, pornography, depression, suicide, they're really just hiding in plain sight. And I think um, that's why the family now is really such a crucial place. Because sometimes it's just not that it's too late, but these young kids, these young kids are just so like deep into it that it's literally it'll take a it'll take a miracle to get them out. Um, and I can't count how many, you know, um, young people st still come to me now with their problems. And it's so clear that the devil is at work. Um, it's not to say that they're bad people or that, you know, some, yeah, some kinds that. of people attack the devil more. But it's just really our times. You know that I heard this talk, Ted, that said, when every when an abortion happens, literally God allows that more demons from hell come into the world because it's like it's like their perverted mass they offer. You know, it's like an offering to Satan, literally abortion. So God, in a way, of course, He's working out good in some way. He will allow demons to to come into the world. So I can't imagine like pornography. It's like People don't even care now. It's like evil is good now and good is evil now. You're a, you're a weirdo if you want to, to live a good life. And um, now it's just sometimes even really breaking down people's sanity. Mm. You know, like 
um, suicide rates since the lockdowns have really been like the worst, one of the worst social costs, maybe even arguably even worse than the actual deaths, I would say. Because, you know, well, not to say automatically, but how many of those souls will be lost, right? And who is happy that those souls will be lost? And a lot of them are the young people who have really kind of anchored their sense of self on social media, on, you know, um, these very superficial and shallow, I don't know, self-expressions, I guess, and beliefs in their self-worth. So I think right now, Ted, it's really, I would really say worse than before. Um, And it's more like, I would even say, I have friends, guy friends who would come to me and really, you know, ask like, could you be like my accountability partner for porn? I'm like, oh, it's kind of funny. I really want to help you. (laughs) Maybe not me, but I've been asked like several times. So it means it must be bad. And um, these are all young people. And I know that um, the battle is real. I mean, it's a struggle every day. So the more that, you know, um, we really need more help, you know, like Mama Mary's help. I guess it's it's even more difficult if they don't get that spiritual support at home. Because the the home is meant to be the domestic church. So -hmm. if you don't get that support from your parents or even your siblings, um, obviously it's difficult to get it from school, especially if you're in a a school which isn't really Catholic. Okay? Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, um, there's been so many Vatican-approved Marian apparitions in the 19th and 20th centuries. And Mary appeared to young people in, in most of these apparitions. Two of them, um, both famous apparitions we celebrate during the month of February. Okay, we have the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes on the 11th of Feb. And as we know, Our Lady appeared to a teenager, Bernadette Subiru. And the Feast of Saints uh, Francisco and Asinta Marto is on the 20th of February. And we know that Francisco was only eight and Asinta was only six years old when the angel of peace appeared to them in 1916, a year before the, the you know, apparition of Our Lady of Fatima. Now, we don't have time to go through all the details of this um, Marian apparitions, okay? I'm sure you would agree with me in saying that the message of conversion and prayer was there, okay, in both apparitions. So what do you think are the gems of, uh, of uh, gems that we could give to our young people from from these two apparitions, from the Fatima apparition and the Lourdes apparition? So many juicy details, Ted, right? (laughs) What's really striking is, you know how Our Lady told Bernadette that, I won't promise you happiness, something to that effect, but in the next. And I think if you really look at Bernadette's life, He was like literally a nobody. They were so poor that they lived in like this, I'm not mistaken, like this place which before had also really doubled like as a prison. And they were, you know, I think she was even illiterate or she could barely read. 
you know, um, really, really uh, like a nobody in society. And, and here comes our lady, we'll tell her, you know, um, do this for me. And I think for young people, um, the, the preoccupation now with self-image is so strong. You know, making yourself seem like you're this, like you're that. It doesn't Vanity. even matter. Sorry? Vanity. Yeah. Um, it doesn't even really matter if in real life they're not like that. As long as the image is there, as long as the image is sustained on IG, on TikTok, or, you know, I'm not saying these are bad, but I really, you know, hear of young people who literally, in a way, cannot live uh, without that or, you know, without posting anything or who sometimes get depressed if they don't get likes or hearts on their posts. Um, and I think that shows like, in a way, like uh, an unfamiliarity with suffering mm. and a rejection of suffering, which mm. St. Bernadette was so familiar with. Um, mm. And she was so humble. I think Lord really shows us that it's only really the humble who can suffer. If you're proud, I'm not sure you can really suffer. Maybe you or you can at least suffer well. Um, Saint Bernadette, I remember she also said, even when she became a nun, I forgot what congregation she joined, but uh, she would say things like, you know, I'm just like a broom. You know, after you use it, you just put it at the side, like in a corner. And this is like a seer, like someone, you know, to whom Mama Mary appeared so many times, right? And um, I think young people can really learn from that, that it's not this life. It's not this life. Um, I just had a call, um, again, with a young person uh, last night. And he was just so, I don't know, in a way, like, even I would say emotionally really unstable or, like, devastated because, for example, um, you know, he can't um, do this or this friend seems to reject him, you know, things like that. So I think um, it's a great call to the young, to the younger ones to embrace suffering and know that it's not this life. We're just like passing through. Mm. And I know it's hard. I mean, when we were younger, Ted, I think we also thought that it's this life. You have to live it up you know, have fun here. Um, it took time to really sort that out. But I think now more than ever, for their own survival, their own sanity, young people have to understand that, that it's not about this life. So, during the During the first apparition of uh, Mary to St. Bernadette, Mary did not really know who the lady was. Okay, but she knew something mysterious and something divine was happening. So what did she do? So Bernadette took out the rosary from her pocket and prayed the rosary. And what did our blessed lady do? Our Mary prayed the rosary with Bernadette. Now this tells us a lot of things. Okay, first, 
you know, you mentioned um, Bernadette um, came from poverty and she was illiterate. So Bernadette, even if she came from poverty, she knows how to pray the rosary. It's one of the things that we could learn from it. Second is Bernadette is a teenager with a rosary in her pocket. Okay. And the third that we could learn from it is we should have rosaries in our pockets too. We should have a rosary in our pocket every day because we don't know when our blessed lady would appear. And who knows, maybe the blessed lady could appear to you and me. And it, it, you know, it pays to be prepared for that apparition. And the fourth and the most important thing that we should, we could learn from this first, um, first um, appearance of Mary to, to, to Bernadette is Mary prays with us whenever we pray the rosary. Mary prays with us whenever we pray the rosary. You mentioned so many things about suffering. And this is the message of one of the key messages of the Fatima apparition. So could you share your thoughts about what our youth could learn from the Fatima apparition, especially from the lives of the three shepherd children? I feel like this is like Catholic Miss Universe. Such difficult questions. How do you really compile Fatima in one question? But I think I would say, uh, I have to try now at some point. I would really say um, the reality of might not might not really sound so inspiring or edifying, but the reality of hell and the final judgment. <laughs> I don't know how, how to make that sound more fun, but that personally that really struck me. Uh, you know, I don't know if you remember that, but they really had this friend or their neighbor who was like 19 or 20 and she died young um and they asked our lady where is she i think they were like trying to find you know to try their luck and ask our lady questions if they could you know find out stuff and our lady said oh she's in purgatory of course that's not how she said it exactly but she will stay there until the end of time like what? Why? I'm like I was really so flabbergasted, and I'm like, what did that girl do, bro? To there for more than hundred years now. Yeah, and she she she, she passed away before the Fatima apparitions. I think her name is Amelia. Ah, uh, oh, she had the name. She was named. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that she was named. What? And you know what the thing is. People don't understand, but purgatory suffering is as bad as hell. I mean, people might think they're just like maybe in a meadow, skipping around, waiting for God to appear. It's intense suffering. Why? Because you are separated from God. And there's nothing worse than that. Souls who have come from purgatory to appear to people, to ask for prayers, have said that it's like, you can't compare the worst pains and tortures to one moment in purgatory. So I think it's really a wake-up call for young people that um, God is really just and merciful. I mean, there's not really any difference. I mean, it's like two sides of a coin. If God is willing to give us 
his 100%. He's also asking for our 100%. He wants us to be saints, not by halves, as Saint Therese of Lisieux said. So I think that's that's um, maybe a shocking truth for young people who can handle it that, you know, YOLO, you only live once. So what are you going to do? Are you going to be a saint? Are you going to, um, you know, really give your life and really make God and loving God and others the one thing of your life? Or are you going to be like, yeah, I'll kind of aim for purgatory. Okay. okay. And then, you know, you might not even end there. That's the that's the not so fun part, right? Or even if you end up like Amelia, who wants to stay there till the end of time? Nobody wants it dead. Right? So um there's a lot to talk about, but I think in our culture where everyone wants to kind of shield the young people from difficult truths. Someone has to say, you know, that hell is real and it's a heresy that hell is empty. Okay, so that's from Hans von Urs Balthasar, or I forgot the name, but don't go there. You don't want to go there. <laughs> so um, love is really about in a big way, uh, limitations, you know. Um, it's not like, as you said, freedom, right? St. Um, Saint Thomas Aquinas said, freedom is really um, the capacity to do the good. If you think that you can do evil, then you're not really free. There's something that's no. like enslaving you. Because naturally, we would want the good. So if you somehow don't want the good, there's something not free. So I hope I didn't scare any young people, but sometimes we need some some scaring sometimes. I think that's the, the problem these days. Now, nobody talks about hell, the reality of hell. Um, it, it's, it's very rare that we would, nothing against our priests, okay, or our catechists, but yeah, well, we don't really talk much about hell and the reality of hell. And let's also always be reminded that our Blessed Mother did not ever hesitate to show um, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta the reality of hell. Exactly. Oh my, yeah. Thanks for adding that point, Ted. I mean, they were so scared, though, that if they stayed longer, they would have died of fright. You know, sometimes I even... I don't I don't wanna get this prayer answered this this prayer answered the one. But sometimes I wish could I have like a real vision of hell so that I can really like like own this thing. Um maybe I don't wanna do that. I might die in the spot. But then there's a wisdom in that. And I think our lady who is you're right, who is always loving, she knew what she was doing, like any like a good mother. No? So Let's show our young people hell. Let's go. <laughs> Sometimes if there's real love, you fear losing that person, right? There's no love if you don't have some element of fear. So I think um, that's one of the messages of Fatima that's really relevant. We need to remember that the angel of peace appeared to the three shepherd children a year before 
our Blessed Mother appeared to them. And on the very first angel apparition, the importance of prayer was already highlighted. Um, the angel taught them a prayer, which we know as the angel's prayer. And it's a, a prayer which goes like, my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. So this prayer is a short prayer, but it's full of adoration because we say, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you, God. Um, well, we also need to highlight that it's also a prayer asking for pardon. Pardon for people who do not adore and do not love God. And what is pardon? Basically, when we ask pardon for our sins, it's the beginning of conversion. Okay, So we could say that that message of conversion was already there from the very beginning of the Fatima apparitions. We would also recall that on the second apparition of the angel, the children were found playing. Okay, So the angel said to them, what are you doing? You must pray. Pray. You must offer your prayers and sacrifices to God, the Most High. And the children did that. They, 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 they minimized their playtime and prayed loads and offered many sacrifices at a very young age. And there's nothing wrong with playing. I'm sure the heavens is not against children playing. Okay. We also need to, what we, we could learn from this is we need to inculcate in our children or to our young people the importance of prayer and holy mass. Asenta um, Francisco and Lucia realized how important praying and offering sacrifices are in, in pleasing God. So um, the children learned to be more prayerful, and this prepared them. To, to receive that Holy Communion from, from the angel, and this prepared them to, um, to meet Mary the year after. So <clears throat> we know that St. Bernadette and uh, Sister Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta strongly promoted conversion of sinners. Nerva, what, how important is the sacrament of confession for our young people? Shucks, I can't stress it enough. Um... How I really see it and how I also try to explain it to young people is, you know, the feeling of like not showering for a week. Yeah. Hopefully you don't know. The feeling. <laughs> or maybe we've been stranded somewhere. Maybe you know the feeling unintentionally, maybe. Um, but if you can imagine, okay, maybe most people have got have not showered. I've tried not showering for a day. Maybe it was that kind of day. Now imagine if you did that for like a week, two weeks. Is it bad? That's really nasty, right? So imagine that that's what you're doing to your soul if you don't go to confession. And even worse, even worse. Um, I think it was St. Alfonso's Stigori who explained that when you're in a state of mortal sin, then people really don't know this. Literally, you cannot merit. You cannot merit grace. People don't know this. They have no idea. They think like, no, God is a merciful God. Like, I'll be fine. I'll probably confess like at some point in time. During that entire time, you literally kick God out of your soul. So you 
your soul is dead literally you're dead to the world like you're you're like a walking corpse so that's how bad it is right um so for example um a person who is living with someone who is not who they're not married to um well they can just say okay i'm a good person i mean i'm not like hitler i didn't abort my baby um god understands that i can't do this yet maybe i need to save money let's be practical right but during that time yeah you you have kicked god out of your soul and okay this is the teaching of the church of course we cannot um say outright okay this person goes to hell that person goes to hell but if at that point you die i think it was the council of trent not sure which council you'll go to hell that's it let that sink in i mean are you willing to lose everything at that point okay um i don't know who needs to hear this but i think uh it's something that isn't really talked about Um, the reality of mortal sin and how confession is really a clean slate. You know, it's like you you took a bath now, right? And um, though of course the effects of of your sin will still be there through grace and reparation, you can also get through that. But confession is like a second chance at you know. At life, literally, starting over. And um, okay, you might say, okay, Atinirva, I haven't committed any mortal sin. I'm just all about the venial sins. Okay. <laughs> That's also not so good, right? Um, because I think, I don't know which saint talked about how venial sins also, they make you more likely to commit mortal sin. So, You know, we also don't want to be tolerant or like lax that, okay, this is fine. I didn't, you know, this is not so bad. And then you accumulate that. Um, it's also not so good. And yeah, it's like if you love someone, will you say, can I offend you just a little bit? Like, and then tomorrow, can I offend you again just a little bit more? I mean, until what point can you say that? Mm -hmm. And like, Um, at what point do you think you will grow in your love for that person? If that's your mindset that, you know, uh, this is not so bad, right? This is not friendship over for us, right? You'll still talk to me, right? If I do this, you know, so if you really look at it as you're taking care of a relationship with someone that you love, and this is not just someone that you love, but is literally the king of the universe. You know. Um, could really make confession one of your go-to sacraments. So, yeah, Ted, let's go for confession. This, this reminds us that the main message of the divine divine mercy devotion is there's only one unforgivable sin, and that unforgivable sin is the failure to seek God's mercy, because God's mercy is readily available for all of us. You know, Nirva, my experience. I come, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I come from the point of view of a youth coordinator. Um, 
And uh, I could say that we've actually, we don't actually know what our young people are facing with every day. I mean, they could be okay at home, but whenever they are with their peers um, or whenever they're school, they could be, you know, they could be facing anything that's diabolical or whenever they're browsing social media. There are so many temptations all around. Mm -hmm. All of us have besetting sins or habitual sins or the sins that we are prone to commit over and over again, okay? And I, I've always believed that, you know, if we have a besetting sin or habitual sin, it means that the devil has a very tight grip on us. And one of the mm -hmm. things that we could release that grip of the devil is by going to confession. Now, if these are hab habitual sins like addiction, pornography, premarital sex, and, and the, the other mm -hmm. habitual sins, we, it, it also means to say that we don't just confess once a year or, or, or once every six months. Yeah. We also need to make confession a habit. Make confession more frequent. Like let's say we could start at least, you know, once every month, one, monthly confessions. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the only way we could change some uh, a bad habit to a good habit. Nerva, what are your thoughts about um, praying the rosary and how it would help our young people? I think the rosary is really the best kept secret uh, for our times. That I'm I sure agree. So with that. Amen, right? And I think you know how, how young people, I noticed that it's like their attention spans are really challenged. I mean, not just them, I guess, but also as adults. Um, maybe because of, you know, technology and constantly being online or in front of screens. So the rosary really is like, um, like a, meditation in a way of like um a calming of your mind and settling it on the realities of god because you're you're always like online oh, okay hey, you're clicking this or you're constantly bombarded so when you pray the rosary it's like um you are tuning in on on god's life basically you're you're meditating and thinking about um different event in God's life. And I think what really gets young people now, Ted, is that they get disheartened because they're distracted. They get distracted during rosaries. And then I hear some people say, oh, I feel so bad because I'm so distracted. I don't want to continue, you know. Um, but I heard this talk, Ted, super interesting. The priest said, our lady is like the Ark of the Covenant. So you know how the people in the Old Testament, they literally died when they held the Ark of the Covenant. So our lady is like that. Not that we're going to die if we, we hold her or pray the rosary. But that somehow she screens or she identifies um, our attachments. So when we pray the rosary, the priest said, what distractions come to your mind are actually your attachments. So it's just Mama Mary showing you, hey, this is something that you love more than God. This is something that you're attached to more than me and my son. So 
for young people who are listening, don't be dis- uh, discouraged. If you're distracted during the rosary, don't think that, oh, I can't do this. This is not for me. Um, it's just Mama Mary showing you, hey, this is your attachment. Bring it to me. So in a way, she's drawing that out. And um, also asking you, I guess, to surrender that, whatever it is. It could be your schoolwork, it could be your family, your friends. Um, let the rosary really um, change your life. Um, I don't know who said it. I think, was it ano? St. Lucia also? I'm not sure. But there, there is no problem that the rosary cannot solve or cannot fix. Um, so that's so true. And it's not, um, it's not just like, you know, a nice thing. But there are so many miracles connected to the rosary. And young people need to start um, discovering those. Amen. Amen to that. In light of the Proto-Evangelium in Genesis chapter 3.15, we know that there's a parallel enmity given to the mother of the one who will defeat the devil. So whenever we pray the rosary, I'm not saying that we would be spared from any temptation because even Jesus himself was tempted. What I'm trying, what what we are saying here is um, praying the rosary could help us fight temptations. But we'll have to remember that the rosary is not an amulet. We don't win against evil by holding a rosary. Okay, we win by, like what uh, Nerva said, we win by reflecting, meditating on the mysteries of our salvation. Because when we, whenever we pray the rosary, uh, we reflect on the incarnation, the passion and death of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus. These events, these mysteries are the ones which make the devil tremble. And I think we also need to pray the rosary right. Because the the rosary is a difficult prayer. And like what you said, Nerva, um, we, all of us, not just the young people, but all of us will have distractions. Okay? But let's be reminded that God will never ever waste our prayer, even if it's a prayer full of distractions. Um, you know, there was a point in my life when um, I was so addicted to video games, okay? Um, and also watching television. I could spend hours on it and it made me become very lazy, okay? And as we know, um, laziness is a sin. Sloth is a sin. So what did I do to overcome it? Um, I had to learn how to pray the rosary properly. and. So praying the rosary properly is basically saying the prayers carefully, the, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, and the, the Hail Mary, the angelic salutation, because these prayers are biblical. So we need to pray them carefully because these were, especially the Lord's Prayer, is a prayer which was said by Jesus himself. Okay, so we pray them carefully. And then I also had to teach myself how to reflect on the mysteries properly. And then before I before I know it, I was spending you know twenty to thirty minutes every day praying the rosary, just one mystery of the rosary, and that's how I was able to swap my video gaming to prayer. Okay, and um, wow. I think that's that's one of the things that we could 
teach um, our young young people, involve them in the, in in praying the rosary and actually learning how to meditate on the mysteries of the rosary. Because we could, you know, if especially if we you know if we pray the rosary at least three times a day, then that's going to be like an hour and a half of your day, you know, that that's done in prayer rather than something else, especially nonsensical things. Ever, what advice could you give to our young people um, who are struggling, who are in need of grace at this very moment? And also, any advice for the youth ministers as well? For young people, I would say it might seem hard or maybe intimidating to pray the rosary. Um, and that's that's completely fine. It's not really like a performance. You don't need to, you know, get things right um, from the start. But maybe you can start, you know, like one um, one decade. What you can do, and um, I know of people who actually invite their friends and then they do it on Zoom. If that works for you, you know, if you have like a barcada and you want to start something, why not do that, right? Do something different. Proper use and, of social media. Yeah, proper use of, you know, um, technology since young people are really uh, digital natives. Um, I think that also, I don't know who said it, which saint, but if you pray the rosary with other people, it's like the merit of that rosary is multiplied by the number of people. So you can get your friends, call them over, have a Zoom rosary. And for some people that works, like they they want to do it with others. And I think that's a very, um, not really unique, but that, that's one of the qualities of young people mostly. They really like to be with their peers. So that that's my advice. Start somewhere. I mean, it doesn't really have to be perfect or, you know, you don't need to be doing this like um, like a pro, as some people say. And I like what you said, Ted, right? That God never really wastes our prayers. Um, he really honors the smallest effort. I remember this story of a nun who died and she died from a really horrible and painful sickness. So after she died, she actually appeared to her fellow sisters and she was basically saying that I'm happy in heaven and all that. But she said, if I have one regret, it's that I didn't suffer more. I didn't pray more. She said she would. This I was like, I was so mind blown when I heard this. She would go back and suffer her illness all over again to be able to say one badly said Hail Mary. Because the increase in glory in heaven, she said, is so great. Mm-hmm. And she was willing to do that. I was like, what? And we are here. We're wasting our time. I'm reading, you know, gossip about the celebrities or like what's on our new news feed, you know, like what? One badly said, Hail Mary, are you kidding me? So can you imagine one rosary? 
I can't stress it enough then. And I think young people with all their energy, and you know how, how extreme young people can be, you know, if they're so into something, they can just like do it and like just really make it the one obsession of their life. Do it for the rosary. And saints have really said, this is the most perfect prayer, second only to the mass, to the holy mass. So for youth ministers, I would really just um, talk about how the active life is really just an overflow of your prayer life. Um, I've been there. I've been like on the brink of burnout so many times myself. And I just really want to remind us, because in a way I still am a youth minister, that anything you do, um, you know, you know, any apostolate, any, you know, service to the young people, it should just really come from like, like your prayer life bubbling to the surface. Don't try to like switch the order, like, okay, I'm just gonna do this because the young kids need this. It may not even really have any impact because you forgot your prayer life, right? The source of all that impact is gone. And I would really say rosaries are a big part of that. Pray for the young people entrusted to you, officially or unofficially, people who somehow just seek you out. These are people that God is entrusting to you, our lady is entrusting to you. So that's it. The active life is really rooted in the the hidden life, the prayer life. Earlier I said that you know, when, when we pray the rosary, there are two factors to consider. So that the reflection and the the careful you know recital of the, the prayers itself. You know, and it's really difficult um, to do both um, really, really well. It takes a lot of uh, focus and attention and single-mindedness to God. So to our young people, I guess, you know, don't be don't be worried if you know if you got distracted and you failed to reflect properly, but you were able to to say the the prayers properly, or you you meditated really well, but you were too fast in praying the prayers. You know, don't worry about those things. The important thing is you pray the rosary. The important thing is you tried to pray the rosary. And like what Nerva said, you know, just do it even just one decade. It's a beautiful suggest- suggestion to, to all of you. You know, my dear friends, it is. I believe that it's really important for all of us, not just our young people, to go to regular confession, to go to Mass at least once a week okay, and pray the rosary daily. It's not just for adults. You need to remember, always remember that St. Jacinta Marto was only six when she started having that, you know, devotion of, of praying the rosary, going to mass nearly every day, of offering sacrifices, and it, she made it a part of her daily life. She was six years old when she started doing it. <clears throat> to our youth ministers and youth coordinators, um, you know, my, my experience, Nerva, um, there was a youth camp when the night before the youth camp, I had a nightmare. And in my nightmare, there was a devil. And the devil appeared like a you know a fat man with beard, and the devil reminded me of my sins. Reminded me of my sins, and that's how you know even youth ministers could be attacked. 
that, that, that happened the night before you. Okay, so what did I do on, on the day of the youth camp itself? So we prayed the prayer of deliverance. We had cast and bind the place. And of course, all of us had to go to confession. Okay, even the, not just the service team, but also the, 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 our young people, the participants. So to our youth ministers, youth coordinators, we need to make confession and holy mass a part of our youth activity. Um, we need to pray the rosary as a group, okay? We need to make adoration also a part of our activities because, again, learning from the Fatima seers, okay, St. Francisco Marto spent hours in adoration, hours in adoration, believing that it consoles the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, um, we, ha- we need to remember what Nerva said, okay, that we need to keep on praying. We need to keep on praying. Everything that we do for the church, Rosary Crusades, um, Marian Consecration, um, Bible Studies, Charismatic Groups, Catholic Seminars, Catechisms, Youth Ministry, anything that we do for the church should lead us to the Holy Mass, to the heart of the Holy Mass, which everything that we do should lead us in prayer getting closer and closer to the Eucharist because the Eucharist is the source and summit of all Christian life. The Eucharist should nourish and sustain all of us as we go through the challenges of our daily lives. So to our young friends, pray the rosary daily, go to monthly confession, spend time in adoration, and go to Holy Mass at least once a week. Any final words, Nerva? What to add to that? Um, please pray for me and um, please know that you can't, we can't really imagine um, the love and the happiness that God promises to those who love him. So any hard thing that we will suffer is really worth it. That's it. Amen. And uh, there's joy in suffering, redemptive suffering. Amen to that, Nerva. Would you close with a Hail Mary? In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Jesus. Holy Mary. Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much. Thanks, Nirva. Thanks for your time. And I hope that we could have you once again here at some point in the future. Thank you to those uh, watching these episodes on YouTube and listening to the podcasts in, in uh, Google and Apple. Thanks, thanks to all of you. We will see you again soon. And never, ever forget Always unite ourselves to God. Thank you very much. God bless. Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed with this episode, please click the subscribe button. Ave Maria.